Good morning everyone and welcome to Essex Church and to this, our gathered community of Kensington Unitarians. Welcome to all who are new here today. Welcome to all who are here regularly. Welcome to occasional visitors. Welcome to all. And a special welcome this morning to our podcast listeners, several of whom have been in touch again lately. At some future time around our world, people will settle down and listen to a recording of this service in India and Washington, Ireland and the Carolinas, both north and south, in Poland and Transylvania, in York and Sheffield, just some of the places where our regular listeners are based. I hope you all feel part of this community, however many miles and how many days, weeks, months and years ahead you are of us. But those of us who are here in physical form this morning, we've all made our different journeys to be here. Should we have a show of hands for the bus travellers? Oh yes, we're here. What about those who come on the tube? On foot? In cars? On trains? Yes. And between us? Oh, I forgot the bicycles again. Three, three bicycles this morning. Anybody been transported by aliens? No? no. <laughs> Just as we cover these different modes of transport, well, of course, we cover a wide range of human conditions as well. Some of us are sleepy still, some wide awake, some joyful, some troubled, annoyed, peaceful. May we all find something in this next hour that speaks to us personally in some way. May we be challenged or soothed, cheered or sobered, uplifted or taken deeper. And may our souls be nourished and enriched by spending this time together this morning. Welcome to you all. I often think of our chalice flame connecting us with liberal communities around our world. And as we hear in the news of people threatened because of their faith, I'm lighting our chalice, this symbol of our worldwide liberal religious community. I'm lighting it to honour those who came before us, who campaigned for the religious freedoms that we enjoy today. I'm lighting it to bear witness to all those who are facing danger this very day because of their faith. And I'm lighting it in hope that the flame of freedom may continue to burn brightly for all those who seek it. In which I call on the spirit of life and love to be with us now and to bless all that we say and do together here today. Let us pray to the source of all things, that mystery, that mystery that changes us as we cannot always change ourselves. Here we gather this morning, a community of spiritual seekers, bringing together our particular rainbow of diversity 
united in a yearning for healing in this world. And healing not meaning restored to some mythical original purity which never existed, but healing meaning being brought to a new place with greater wisdom, with wholeness. For we are all on a journey. And journeys place us before forks and turnings in the road. Such places may ask us to make choices. Saying yes to some things and no to others. Grieving perhaps what we must leave behind. As we rejoice in the blessings, the unexpected may come our way. At times in our life's journey, we choose to walk with others. And at times we pause, needing to withdraw. Let us face our journeys of life with courage. Let us seek the insights that will help us to know the paths to take. And at this time, let's together share the fellowship of stillness together, a time for our own individual prayers, for ourselves, for those we love, and for the troubles of our world. Spirit of life, we ask for patience, we ask for understanding, we ask for compassion, hope and gratitude that we might welcome our collective and individual journeys of life with open hearts, open minds and open hands. Amen. Our reading... Uh, this morning is um, a famous poem. Um, I think because it's American, it's not one that I learned as a child. And so when I heard it as an adult, it had one of those ding moments for me. It's The Road Not Taken by Robert Frost. And of course, one way of interpreting it is as you know, the questions about life directions that we all face. The Road Not Taken... Two roads diverged in a yellow wood, and sorry I could not travel both and be one traveller. Long I stood and looked down one as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth, then took the other, the other as just as fair, and having perhaps the better claim because it was grassy and wanted wear, though as for that the passing there had warned them really about the same. And both that morning equally lay in leaves, no step had trodden black. Oh, I kept the first for another day, 
Yet knowing how way leads on to way, I doubted if I should ever come back. I shall be telling this with a sigh somewhere ages and ages hence. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less travelled by, and that has made all the difference. Poem by Robert Frost. Just to continue with the enjoyment of sitting on the train. This reading is called The Station. Now, tucked away in our subconscious, there is an idyllic vision. We see ourselves on a long, long trip that almost spans the continent. We are travelling by passenger train, And out of the windows we drink in the passing scenes of cars on the motorway, of children waving at a crossing, of cattle grazing on a distant hillside, of smoke pouring from a power station, of row upon row of corn and wheat, of flatlands and valleys, of mountains and rolling hills, of biting winter and blazing summers, fresh springtime, and cooling autumn. But uppermost in our minds is that final destination. On a certain hour, at a certain day, we will pull into the station. There will be bands playing and flags waving. And once we get there, So many wonderful dreams will come true. So many wishes will be fulfilled and so many pieces of our lives finally will be neatly fitted together like a completed jigsaw. Restlessly we pace the aisles, drumming our fingers, waiting, waiting, waiting for that station. However, sooner or later we must realize there is no one station, no one place to arrive once and for all. The true joy of life is the trip. The station is only a dream. It constantly outdistances us. When we reach the station, that will be it, we cry. Translated, it means, when I'm 18, that will be it. When I buy a new car, that will be it. When my child leaves home, that will be it. When I've paid off the mortgage, that will be it. When I win a promotion, that will be it. When I reach the age of retirement, that will be it. I shall live happily ever thereafter. Unfortunately, once we get it, whatever it is for us, it disappears. The station somehow hides itself at the end of an endless track. 
Relish the moment is a good motto, especially when coupled with Psalm 118. This is the day which the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. It isn't the burdens of today that bring us to our knees. Rather, it's the regrets of yesterday or fear for tomorrow. Regret and fear are twin thieves who would rob us of today. So, stop pacing the aisles and counting the miles. Instead, climb more mountains, eat more ice cream, go barefoot more often, swim more rivers, watch more sunsets, laugh more and more. For life must be lived as we go along. And the station? Ah, well, the station will come soon enough. If you were here last week, uh, you will have noticed a continuing theme in these services of public transport. Last week, I was exploring the joys of travel on a bus. Sadly, last Sunday, saw buses here in London quite disrupted by torrential rain and by road closures for the big bike ride. One poor soul was stuck on a stationary bus for over 40 minutes, but still made it to church before coffee time. (laughs) This week, I've been thinking about trains, and a bit like buses, trains are a marvellous form of transport so long as all goes well. It's probably best to admit at this early stage of this address that I am a big fan of rail travel. Of all the many ways we humans can get around this planet, rail journeys have got to be my favourite. So it was with concern that I saw photos of the Swiss train disrailed this week by a landslide. Remarkably, nobody died despite one carriage tipping hideously into the ravine. So I thought it important to acknowledge that train travel is a great way to get around until something goes wrong. And then, of course, it can be truly ghastly. But most train train journeys run on time and they get to where they're meant to be going. I spent yesterday afternoon travelling up to Sheffield, delivering my grandson Zach back to his mum, and then turning around and coming straight back on the same train to London. And we travelled first class because bizarrely in this country the tickets are often cheaper than the standard class tickets. And England, well, England looked at her late summer best yesterday as we sped through the countryside. In last week's service, I talked a bit about the metaphor of life as a journey and the appeal that that has for many of us. No wonder, then, that trains have found their way into our everyday language. We speak, don't we, of being on track or, or unfortunately, being off the rails We may feel sidetracked or railroaded. We know that people can be living on the wrong side of the tracks. And we might quite like describing ourselves as chugging along or sorting things out under our own steam. We know, 
when things are coming to the end of the line and we're told, all change please. And when I was looking for possible songs for us to sing today, I found a remarkable list on the internet of over 1,000 songs relating to trains, nearly all of them from America, where the arrival of the train, of course, opened up a whole continent for people to move across in significant numbers. And I think it's quite poignant to think how few of those train routes exist today in America where cheap oil has encouraged the individualism of car transport. Um, But here in Britain, despite the best efforts of Mr Beeching, whose report led to the closure of so many branch lines in the 1960s, we do still have thriving rail travel here. And I know we'll probably have differing views on the effects of privatisation. I do still look back and think that privatisation smacks of selling the family silver. I liked our national rail with its train track logo. And I do still yearn for a simpler ticketing system than the one we have now. But I'm grateful that I can still travel so simply from one part of the country to the other. Now, the coming of the railways was, of course, one of the key markers of the Industrial Revolution here in Britain. The canal system began the mass transportation of materials and goods, but we needed the railway system's great capacity to fuel the factories, stock the shops and the warehouses. Passenger transport was important, but even today, the quiet transportation of materials on train tracks along the length and breadth of our land continues. How much better to use rail than road transport, as anyone who has made a journey on a motorway recently, I think, would agree. But let's not forget that many people feared the coming of the railways and the changes that they would bring. A few years ago, some of us enjoyed a dramatisation of Mrs Gaskell's Cranford on television. Cranford, the sleepy Cheshire town, about to be changed forever as the railway line from Manchester edged ever closer, bringing disreputable people with it. Henry David Thoreau, American writer who spent two years living alone in the woods at Walden and whose writings have long inspired people to live more simply and deliberately, Thoreau was not impressed by the railway that he could hear less than a mile away across Walden Pond. He did not approve of speedy forms of transport, of anything that went faster than a horse, and preferred to walk everywhere himself. And he was also aware of the human cost of building railways, which we do well not to forget. I quote, We do not ride on the railroad, it rides upon us. Did you ever think what those sleepers are that underlie the railroad? Each one is a man. The rails are laid on them and they are covered with sand and the cars run smoothly over them. They are sound sleepers, I assure you. And every few years, a new lot is laid down and run over. So that if I have some pleasure in riding on a rail, others have the misfortune to be ridden upon. Building railways was tough. But a very different view comes from the similarly named Paul Thoreau. There's a quote from him on the front of your order of service today. He's made his career writing about travel. And he writes that ever since childhood, I have seldom heard a train go by and not wished I was on it. And he goes on. Those whistles sing bewitchment. 
Railways are irresistible bazaars, snaking along perfectly level, no matter what the landscape. Improving your mood with speed and never upsetting your drink. The train can reassure you in awful places, he writes. A far cry from the anxious sweats of doom that aeroplanes inspire, or the nauseating sickness of the long-distance bus, or the paralysis that afflicts the car passenger. And if a train is large and comfortable, you don't even need a destination. A corner seat is enough, and you can be one of those travellers who stay in motion, straddling the tracks, and never arrive or feel that they ought to. Like that lucky man who lives on Italian railways because he is retired and has a free pass. (laughs) When Michaela was uh, reading that piece about the station and how we're always hoping for that thing that happens next, I realised that for me it's me getting my freedom pass (laughs) here in London, which allows you free travel. But believe me, once I get it, I shall not live on the tube trains. (laughs) So I don't... uh, recommend living on trains but I do recommend a periodic life review where we take some time to consider our lives and one way to do that is through the metaphor of train travel so here's some things to think about are we sitting comfortably in life right now and if not is there anything we can do about it or is this a time when we just have to endure a difficult bit of life's journey are we happy with our travelling companions or or do we need to get something sorted be that sufficient leg room or space on that rather small shared table is the view okay and if not do we need to change our perspective or, or is this a time to just sit back a while and close our eyes are we about to change trains And if so, do we need more information about the best route to choose? Are there people who could give us advice or help us decide? And who or what is in charge of the journey of your life? Does a higher power provide the fuel or even drive the train? Who is responsible for the maintenance of the track and the engine? Are we appreciating the journey as it unfolds sufficiently or is there a particular destination filling our minds? It's a metaphor that we could explore endlessly. But for now, I'm just going to ask you to please make sure that you have all your personal belongings with you as you leave the train. And thank you for travelling with Kensington Unitarians today. And we hope that you have a pleasant onward journey of life. Amen. The journey continues. Our lives move ever onwards. Our time together draws to a close and soon we will step out into the world once more. May we travel with eyes refreshed, with spirits renewed, and with ways of being perhaps not longer quite so stuck in the ruts of the past. For we are free to create ourselves anew. Let us cherish that freedom and use it with wisdom in the precious days ahead. 
Amen. Go well and blessed be.